Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 414th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is yesterday's spectacular Steelers-Ravens game, the best rivalry in the NFL these days. And it did get a little nasty, as we would all expect. Uh, But the story of the day was clearly the Steelers' defense They're back to being Steel Curtain-like, Blitzburg-like, and really controlling the game. They forced last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson, into four turnovers. And the offense, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Chase Claypole, and the rest uh, had just enough to get the job done. And, of course, it went down to the last play, not atypical given uh, the games these two teams always play. Uh, And Minka Fitzpatrick blocked a pass that would have been the winning touchdown at the buzzer. And and the Steelers remain undefeated. And uh, they're having a special year, especially when you consider last year with Ben Roethlisberger out for basically the entire year with the elbow surgery. And... uh, So the Steelers are right now the story of the NFL. They're the only undefeated team left, and they are looking good to go into Baltimore and now hold a two-game lead in the AFC North, but to go into Baltimore, defeat the Ravens there. Uh, Very, very impressive. And everybody up in western Pennsylvania, where I'm from, uh, Steeler Nation everywhere is... Already thinking uh, Super Bowl in Tampa this year, not unlike the last Super Bowl the Steelers won, which is down at Raymond James Stadium in 2009. We all remember that one when San Antonio Holmes caught the winning touchdown pass to beat the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, so there's a lot of people in Steeler Nation are thinking uh, could be a repeat of the Steelers returning to Tampa Bay. We shall see, and wouldn't it be something if it was Steelers versus uh, Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady uh, and the rest of that excellent team, and they play tonight, by the way, and, uh, and wouldn't that just be something no team has ever hosted a Super Bowl in the stadium they play in, so the Tampa Bay Bucks are shooting to become the first. There were also other great games yesterday. Uh, the Bengals pulled off a major upset, uh, beating the Titans. And Joe Burrow, number one overall pick from LSU, looks like the real deal, to put it mildly. Um, the Vikings beat the Packers. Uh, and the Packers suddenly on a bit of a skid. Aaron Rodgers had the ball with a minute or two left to go down and try to win the game. And when that situation presents itself, it's exactly what you expect to happen. Uh, but it did not. He was basically harassed. and uh, The defensive lineman for the Vikings got his throwing elbow. And it was a tuck roll kind of play, but it didn't matter. It was uh, incomplete, fluttered aimlessly. And 
Uh, the Vikings held on. And the other major upset of the day, Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, starting Tua for the first time, beat the Los Angeles Rams down in Miami. So, as always, the NFL uh, delivered uh, another great 1 o'clock window on Red Zone. Except for my low light of the week, which was, uh, and they delivered on this one too, but certainly as a Patriot season ticket holder, it didn't turn out very well. But Patriots had an excruciating loss to the Bills when Cam Newton fumbled as they were driving down the field for the uh, in windy Buffalo for either the tying field goal potentially or the winning touchdown. Cam fumbled at around the 10 or 15 uh, with around 40 seconds to go. And the way New England's looking at it today is pretty simple. Tom Brady always won games in the final two minutes in situations similar to yesterday. And uh, Cam hasn't, period. Uh, And when you go back to the Seahawks final play when he got tackled, uh, you know, right near the goal line, basically for a loss, uh, trying to run it in himself, like yesterday he was running running a lot. Um, again, it, it just hasn't been happening uh, the way that Patriot fans are used to. So you have to w- wonder, you know, is this the end of the dynasty? Uh, will they be selling at the trade deadline, which I believe is tomorrow? Uh, Stephon Gilmore, AFC Defensive Player of the Year last year, did not play in the game yesterday. Uh, had a knee issue. Uh, and then next week is... The Jets versus uh, the Patriots at the Jets on Monday Night Football. Jets are, of course, winless and hapless. and uh, But yet, they we all know they could make their season by beating the taking the Patriots out next week. Patriots are in life support. If they lose next week, it is really over. Um, and wouldn't that be one heck of a way if they lost to the winless Jets? And that's would be the exclamation point on the end of the dynasty as we've known it for 20 years. We shall see. We'll get a clue tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow on uh, the trade on whether or not they're selling or meaning trading. That leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was uh, Tampa Bay Rays manager, Kevin Cash, taking out Blake Snell, who had pitched an absolute masterpiece for about six innings, and it's been a week, but still uh, stuck in a lot of people's mind, mine, mine in particular as well. And uh, it just looked, Kevin Cash couldn't get out of the dugout fast enough after he gave up uh, his second hit of the game, a sharp single to right or to dead center field to the number nine hitter. And Cash was no. Lo- not a step out of the dugout before he signaled for the reliever. And we all know the rest of the story. Five minutes later, the one nothing lead by the Rays was a two, one deficit to the Dodgers who won the game, won the world series and congratulations to the Dodgers. They earned it. But Kevin Cash's decision was the reverse of the Grady little decision of, uh, 2003 when of course, um, Red Sox manager Grady Little left Pedro in too long in the eighth inning. And we all know what happened there. This was the opposite of that, and we all know what happened there. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? 
Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you, as always, for calling in. Well, we had lots of good college football action on set over the weekend uh, on the field, but clearly the big news of the week, the stop you dead in your tracks news was Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID and obviously then missing the BC game on Saturday and BC gave them all they could handle, to put it mildly, basically led the game, the entire game until the fourth quarter when Clemson uh, finally put it away, but, you know, then the announcement post-game from Dabo Sweeney that Trevor Lawrence is also going to miss the Notre Dame game this week in South Bend. Clemson's still the number one team in the country, and now they're going into South Bend without their uh, Heisman candidate, uh, you know, one of the great college quarterbacks in history already, and the backup looked pretty good against BC by the time he got rolling in the second half, so... Big news, AP. This COVID thing is uh, between Nick Saban and Trevor Lawrence. COVID has now touched the two biggest names in the sport. Yeah, John. I think one thing that's fortunate for Clemson was the fact that the young quarterback had a chance to play one game before he has to travel to South Bend on the road against Notre Dame, who's a good football team. So, but I don't know when Trevor Lawrence will be back. Uh, he, you know, he has to test negative a certain amount of time so we shall see but it's it's touched everybody and it, it hasn't uh, stayed away from college football that's for sure uh, that is for sure I mean I was I guess it was Thursday night you know watching ESPN or whatever as always and then you know I got the news by just the crawl moving across the bottom of the screen you know Trevor Lawrence test positive for COVID-19 and I was like you know, and it was, it was a, a, like a moment where you're just like, oh my gosh. Um, and of course, being up in Boston, instantly, you know, knew, of course, Boston College was headed down there. And I've said this often on the show, uh, AP, that, you know, Boston College, it is what it is as a program, but whether it's football or basketball, about every five years, they rise up and stun the nation with an upset. And, for the better part of three quarters, it looks like that was going to happen again. I mean, it was my first thought when I saw Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to play that BC's going to pull off one of their, uh, you know, every five-year upsets. Upset. Yeah, upset <laughs> specials, right, Sean? Absolutely. 
and they come out like a house of fire and ran up an 18 point lead, but then we're shut out yeah. in the second half. And I was watching the game wondering like, is Clemson's defense at some point going to step up and basically win this game? And they did. That's pretty much how it turned out in the second half. Yeah, that's a substantial margin, 18 points, but they just couldn't hold on and they couldn't add. So, but that young quarterback came around. I think he ended up throwing for was it 342 yards, maybe 31 yes. for 42, something like that. Yes. And so he was highly recruited out of California. I can't say his name, John. I'll let that happen yeah. for you. But we we won't go. Uh, oh no, he, we won't he, go there. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough time trouble with Tua. <laughs> it took right, me four, right. Took a we we need a week to get to a straight. Yeah, right, yeah, we need right. a week, right? To hear to hear it a hundred times, maybe that uh, you know he's he was highly recruited out of California, big big athletic player with strong arms. So uh, you know, Clemson's got the talent surrounding him to support all his skills, and they needed every single one of them to, to come out ahead against Boston College. You know, uh, I don't know, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of that game, John, so I wanted to check out Clemson's defense. If they're going to have a defense like everyone else in America, it's suspect. Right. Right. Well, he, uh, first of all, his size, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 6'3", 250. Now, we're talking really, that's really large for a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, we, we all have that's big huge. quarterbacks. Yes. 250. 250 yes. is a statement. Yeah, and yeah. young fella, he, yeah. He kept being described by the announcers as, quote, the the number one pocket passer coming out of high school, number one recruit. Right. But yet, you know, he, he also had that really nice run for a touchdown. So he, he it just struck me, he felt and looked a little bit more than a pocket passer. That's for darn sure. And then, of course, he right. has Travis Etienne, who stepped up when he yeah. needed to. Uh and that guy, I said this a couple of weeks ago, the more I watch him, the more I'm impressed with him. And he, of course, set the ACC record for, I believe, rushing and or scoring. And I think he set like an NCAA all-time record for maybe 47 games of something. He scored a touchdown, something like that, like an all-time national impressive. mark. Very. Yeah, that's, that's him. That's very impressive. Scoring, that's the name of the game. He knows how to get to the end zone. The bingo. That's it. That's it. He did, of course, there was a bad handoff where BC, a ball popped up in the air as they were going in to score from about the three-yard line. Bad handoff to ETN. Next thing you know, the BC defenders running down the field for 97 yards. And that was the moment when you when you thought, oh boy, this, this upset could really happen, yes. but as we said, defense stepped up, as did the offense in the second half. But And then, AP, we have the number two team in the nation, the team you cover and know so well, Alabama. And they just continue to roll on behind Mac Jones. Uh, John, I, I think everyone kind of noticed they have another receiver on the team, number six. They call him, right. last name is Smith. Devontae Smith scored four touchdowns, and he tied the SEC record for re- touchdown reception with 31. That's Amari Cooper of Alabama and Chris Doring of Florida. If you remember Chris, sure. um, tall receiver for the Gators. So he's going to pass that record for certain, I believe. That's kind of a safe statement. And Devontae, he's had this unusual career, even as a freshman. He caught the, the winning touchdown against Georgia in the championship game. And the first time I can recall him, John, was they were playing at Vanderbilt and two was in the ball game. And he did a pirouette, and without missing one iota of a beat, he threw to the back of the end zone to Devontae Smith for a touchdown. And I said, that's going to be a magical pair in the future. Wow. Amazing. Yes, I mean, Jalen Waddell out for the year with a ankle injury, I believe. And, uh, yes. And, you know, Alabama just doesn't miss a beat. I mean, you know, there's only a handful of schools, and the handful might consist simply of Clemson and Alabama, where Clemson can lose their Heisman hopeful, although it seems, you know, as as well as uh, Alabama can lose their stud receiver, and they, they both keep on winning. Yes, yes. And, you know, Alabama's leading the country in scoring, I believe, down 47 points a game. So oh they were under the average on Saturday night at 41. They took a, took it took it easy on the Bulldogs. 
Yeah, they had an off game. They only scored 41. Well, at least they scored 40, so they don't, they, they don't have to hang their head. Yes. Uh-huh. No, no, they're, no, I don't think they'll be too disappointed. But uh, Mississippi State, it's been a dismal season for them. People are transferring uh, left and right, and he'll have to regroup, bring in some players. He, and he will. He'll get receivers and a quarterback that can throw the football and, and a host of receivers that can catch and run. But it won't happen for him this year with two points against Kentucky and zero against Alabama. So Mike Leach is the coach, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong. The season started with, you know, Mississippi State beating LSU down in Baton Rouge. Correct. Forty-four points they put on the Tigers in Baton Rouge. Right, and they had that transfer quarterback from Stanford. You follow it much more closely than me. So yeah, six hundred twenty-two yards, John. Set an SEC record, and from right. then on, it was all of a sudden in the middle of the season. He's competing for the position. Think about that. You set a record your very first game, six hundred twenty-three yards at Baton Rouge. You know, not against Sisters of the Poor. And next Correct. thing you know, you're competing for the quarterback position in the middle of the season. So AP, I don't think I was really aware. I did hear something mentioned, but I didn't get the full story about you know the transfer portal being busy out of Mississippi State or something. But so yes. Under Mike Leach, so a lot of people were like transferring now. So it's falling apart. I, I don't know that yeah, I really he, knew that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He said he wanted to purge the roster. He knew that this would happen, but a little bit more than expected. I think one of the uh, players that transfers, Tyrell Shavers, was a big six foot six receiver from I think Louisville, Texas, played at Alabama, and so okay. he caught a touchdown I think in the LSU game. Matter of fact, but he he entered the transfer portal the week of the Alabama game. He could He didn't even wait. Wow. Gee whiz. Uh, so I didn't realize, uh, you know, so Mike Leach's comment purged the roster. So what's happening is what he wanted to happen, apparently. Correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <Okay>. expeditiously. <laughs> yeah, well, he yeah, I, did. I, I'm guessing after that first opening win against LSU, he wasn't thinking that. But how quickly no. uh, things can deteriorate, no. right? We're talking six weeks here. Oh, yeah. If, oh, yeah. No, after what that saying? LSU game. John, after the LSU game, we all circled the Mississippi State game. Right. Right. Alabama did. Thinking, Yeah, That's thinking like you a, could put 44 on LSU and Baton Rouge, and you come to Tuscaloosa, we've got to watch out for these Bulldogs. Right, and you make a good point, AP, as we, you know, LSU, I mean, nobody realized that night. They were, of course, the defending national champions coming off the year of years. Nobody realized how bad they were going to be. And here we are a few weeks later and they're bad. They got smoked on Saturday. Yeah. They looked disorganized and disoriented and not carrying out assignments defensively. And John, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that I realize you lost the best performance. One year performance I've ever seen in Joe Burroughs with the Cincinnati Bengals doing quite well. Matter of fact, and Correct. you lost a, a top receiver, Blitnikoff award winner who opted out, but Let's, let's not forget that they had top recruiting classes all these years with that Orange run. So there's players there. There was no 48 to 11 game and 44 to 34 game. And I'm mentioning the 44 11 game versus Auburn this weekend and uh, uh, took place uh, on the plains at Auburn. I mean, something's not right for them to Correct. just fall apart defensively. And one, one minute you're scoring 52 points against South Carolina, and next week you have 11 against Auburn. Yeah, something's not right. You just hit the nail right on the head. I mean, to go from the penthouse to the outhouse that quickly is highly unusual. So, you know, there must be something along the lines of Mississippi State going on there or something. There has to be some type of uh, internal issues, I would say, because they just are not the LSU team we've all come to know for years and years. Oh, yeah, John, that wasn't just we're having a bad game. We're having a bad season, a bad year. I mean, it, it could go south. It, it's gone south already. It could go to the equator, for all we know, with a 2-8 and eight season. Yeah, well, I mean, losing to Auburn, what was the final score, 40-11? That, that Now we're into embarrassment uh, territory Total. here. Total. Yeah, with a capital so. E, yeah. <laughs> capital E, and you said it perfectly, uh, you know, given their upcoming schedule, standard SEC schedule, Alabama's in the future. Uh, yeah, they could end up 2-8, and eight, it's conceivable, given what we saw on Saturday. So, boy, oh, boy, 
how the mighty have fallen. And, and John, once that happens, it's going to take something to build it back up. I mean, I know they're LSU, but we've seen this at LSU the prior 40 years or so where they had all this talent, but no one, could, no one was able to harness the talent to produce on the field. And it seems that that's the case right now because, as I've stated many, many times, and I'll repeat myself because I think it's vitally important, Nick Saban master, has mastered the R&D, the recruiting plus the D, the development. That's one thing to get these players on campus, as we've seen at Texas and other places across the country. But then you have to develop them and to make them be so competitive when you bring all these four or five-star players in that they want to uh, be part of a championship program. Correct. Correct. And speaking of Texas, by the way, they had a big win, knocked off previously undefeated Oklahoma State up in Stillwater and uh, took them out in overtime. And uh, so one less team that's undefeated. So it's uh, Texas, they're, they're a little tough to get a handle on. They're a classic Big 12 game team in my mind. They just, they play exciting yeah. games. Say what you want about the Big 12. Yeah. No defense, yes. exciting games, and feels like yes. anybody can beat anybody by racking up 40 to 50 points. Who's ever hot that day, the hot quarterback, that's who wins the game usually. That's it. That's it. Well, AP, on that note, uh, hard to believe we're uh, at the end of our first segment together, so why don't we take our break and still a lot, much more to get to on the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mac. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. 
Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we were, as usual, talking college football uh, in the previous segment, still have some more to get to. And AP specifically, uh, I'm a Penn State guy, having grown up near Penn State, State College, Pennsylvania. And Saturday night was the non-whiteout against Ohio State. I went to last year's whiteout against Michigan. And so, frankly, it was depressing to see an empty Beaver Stadium start with that. And and then it was more depressing starting with the first play of the game when Ohio State peeled off a uh, 60-yard-plus run, scored a play or two later. But AP, I mean, it was men against boys is how it struck me. Uh, Penn State made a little noise, scored a little, stuff like that. Uh, you, you know, but it just felt like every time they did, Ohio State just answered immediately and were basically controlled the game from that opening play. And... Uh, so, yeah, uh, again, hats off to Ohio State. They clearly look like a college football playoff team. They look great. Justin Fields looks great. And, you, you know, they, 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 again, were in control of that game from the opening play. John, I think Ohio State has been, been one of those types of teams where yep. you must have cover corners if you have a chance to win the ball game because I've heard they've got two receivers that are outstanding. Of course, Justin Fields has been – uh, very accurate with his throws, and that offense has been, uh, you know, very productive for him. And uh, he was he made the best move he ever could have by transferring to Ohio State. I I yes. heard that uh, you know that you know that I don't know where else he was looking at, but Ohio State he made an excellent choice to move from the SEC uh, University of Georgia, where he wasn't getting enough playing time because of Jake Fromm, and to move up to Ohio State where they get the talent from not only the Midwest, but they can reach out all over the country in Texas and California and Florida and get some speed on the edge. Yes, and boy, that showed the other night. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, it was they completely controlled the line of scrimmage, you know, and I watched every play, and they, uh, you know, the defense was just all over. Sean Clifford, I mean, just all over him, uh, you know, nonstop, you know, no excuses, but Penn State's top two running backs are out apparently for the season. And, uh, but they, and they certainly weren't there Saturday night. So they had a freshman playing in the backfield, but you know, Sean Clifford is a veteran and he, it's, he just didn't have a chance play after play after play after play. They were just all over him, it seemed. It, it almost felt like, you know, they knew the play before it was called, and they just really dominated the game. The fact it ended 38-25 to 25 is almost like, you know, <laughs> Penn State, you, you know, they didn't, this, they didn't get embarrassed, to put it that way, but to watch the game, you knew that Ohio State controlled it, and, and Penn State even got a gift at the end when, you know, they were given basically a free field goal, to you know, with one second left, when they said Justin Fields didn't use the full three seconds to you know take a knee, um, that was weird. <laughs> they literally called the entire Ohio State team back out on the field from inside their locker room, and Ryan Day was going wow. crazy. He went crazy. I, and, I can uh, imagine. Yeah, and then Penn State got the ball to start the second half, and you know they went right down the field. Uh, with a different plan, which was basically a lot of, uh, you know, short passes, and they just marched right down the field, boom, 10 points on two straight possessions with halftime in the middle. And for a brief moment, I said, you know, oh, boy, you you know, maybe we got something here, because they had momentum, obviously. And then Ohio State just answered immediately, and frankly, that was that. And then they just traded a couple scores. But, yeah, so... They're 0-2, Penn State. Looks like it's going to be a long season in what would probably be not-so-happy Valley <laughs> and uh, to right. go along with the uh, non-whiteout. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
so it's already clear at 0-2, given the condensed schedule. I mean, you know, they're not going to the CFP. I think we can safely say that. That's over already. No, no, no. And, John, when you look at that league, what, Iowa was defeated by Northwestern by a point? Yep. Maryland beat Minnesota. Uh, Michigan was defeated by Michigan State, who had lost the previous week to Rutgers, I believe, even though they had a lot of turnovers. Wisconsin, uh, they didn't play against Nebraska. So who can challenge Ohio State in that league? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the big games. I mean, Michigan State, who got trounced by Rutgers, then going in and three-touchdown underdog, I believe, to Michigan in the big house, and they beat them. And right. AP, by the way, we talked, we touched on Tua in the previous segment. Uh, finally got to see Tua's little brother. I, I watched that game on Friday night, and that was awesome yes. against Minnesota. Good team. And, uh, mm-hmm. boy, to his little brother, looks like the real deal. I mean, that was a great game, went into overtime. And, uh, yeah, so there were some serious, you know, serious upsets in the Big Ten on uh, over yeah. the weekend. But yeah, to I, his little brother, know. He's, he's the real deal. Right. Yeah, he has a strong arm. He can uh, run around the pocket. And he he's definitely a person who will take some risks in his throws. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, he'll, no, he'll I, throw that football, you know, to some small windows. Yes, and you've talked often about, you know, how, you know, he, he went to Maryland and all that. And it was a big deal when he decided to go there. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, when the game came on, I had just forgotten. And they said, you know, to his little brother as the quarterback, everything you've told me about him flooded right back. And uh, my night was made. I knew what I was doing on Friday night the minute I knew that. And, uh Watched a lot of the game, and it was great. It was really exciting and terrific ending, to say the least, up in College yeah. Park. Oh, yeah. And, John, they'd gotten beaten badly the week before. Correct. Uh, Correct. I forgot, I forgot the opponent. I think they only scored three points, too. Right. Right. I think I think it was a 44-3 to game or something like that. Yeah, and correct me something if I'm wrong. Something of that nature, I- so... Yeah, and the Maryland coach is, is it Mike Loxley, formerly from Alabama? Is that correct? That's right. He was the OC at Alabama. He sure was when Tua was there one year. Sure was. Okay. Okay. So the uh, the connection is obvious, uh, to say the least. And uh, yeah, so the Big Ten, uh, pretty topsy turvy as is all of college football, to, to say the least. I mean, we've touched yeah. on you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so, John. You could say the SEC is really Alabama concentric. I mean, Georgia. Lost to them by a big, you know, double digits, forty-one twenty-four, and Correct. and you see LSU's down, and Alabama beat A and M fifty-two to twenty-four, and uh, you know Kentucky's up and down, and Tennessee is tr- trying to make it back to get close to maybe Florida or something. And Florida, we see that you know they've they've had their moments, and so the Big Ten and the SEC are just top heavy with one team right now. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just going to be that kind of a year. I mean, you know, let's face it. I think so. COVID has just leveled the playing field in many ways. You mentioned Wisconsin. Obviously, they couldn't even play. I think they have 22 players have tested positive. And then Nebraska, that, of course. Interesting. Nebraska, they like to go rogue, don't they? I mean, they were trying to schedule. Uh, who was, who UT was it? UT Chattanooga. Hey. UT, UT Chattanooga. UT Chattanooga. And that got a lot of, you know, it ranged from Paul Feinbaum, like, railing against Nebraska for them trying to make that move to others, I heard, just say, like, well, why not? Why can't they play the game? You know, it's not their fault. Nebraska did nothing wrong, and all they want to do is play a football game. And I can kind of see both sides of that argument. Uh, not that I ever for a second thought the Big Ten would let them play Chattanooga, but, but I could see where people yeah. were coming from on both sides. Yeah, let's say the Big Ten, I don't think in their dictionary is the word maverick. I don't believe. Yeah, or flexibility. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, you know, with all due respect, the Big Ten committed to an all-conference schedule. And I get that. Yes, they did. I totally get that. So, you know, that to me is the Trump card uh, where, you know, they weren't going to, you know, alter that so that 
Nebraska right. can play UC Chattanooga, period. Just that simple. No, and, and how does that get to be known publicly that you're not asking the commissioner of the league about seeking a game against Chattanooga and that this is all a story that makes everybody look, you know, it, it could, what it does, it, it creates a division. People are going to be t- taking sides. That, that shouldn't well, happen right. when you have harmony in a league. Which is exactly what I just said. I just gave both sides of the story, yeah. the reactions. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Y- you know, well, I, I'm curious to see what, if any, fallout will occur. It won't be this year, but, you, you know, let's just say Nebraska and the Big Ten have uh, had a bit of a re- rocky relationship since the initial announcement that they were the season was going to be postponed. Um, and we all know that Nebraska was like one to go off the reservation then too. So that'll be interesting. I went to a Nebraska game in Lincoln, my first ever, a couple of years ago against Ohio State, who just blew them out. Right. Uh, but you know, Nebraska football in the state of Nebraska, it's the only game in town and it's massive. And I mean, right. massive, yes. you know, that, it's, yes. <laughs> you know, 76,000 w- becomes the second biggest town or 72 or 76,000 becomes the second biggest town in Nebraska when they're together, I guess. Exactly. On game day, second biggest right. population mm. in the state right. of Nebraska is link is in Lincoln Memorial stadium. AP, we've gotten to the end of uh, our second segment together. Still a few more things to get to, which we'll do on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's Tampa Bay Bucks at New York Giants game. Uh, when you're a Patriot season ticket member living in uh, New England, you uh, 
uh, are turning your attention more than you already have this year to Brady in the box, <laughs> given what's happening with the Patriots. And uh, and should be a good game tonight. The Bucks are really playing well, and Giants aren't. So we'll, should be fun to watch. It's always great to watch Tom Brady. He's run, He's looking like the old Brady. And frankly, hope it continues, and I think most people in New England do as well. But AP, speaking of good games, sounds like you were at one over the weekend yourself. Yeah, John, I had a chance to uh, come to ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, to watch Notre Dame take on Georgia Tech. And uh, I was, you know, highly impressed with the Notre Dame. They don't have people that that are speed burners on the edge, but they are consistent and they're they're consistent and um, they they have good receivers and catch the ball. They have running backs that'll find the daylight in the hole. They have a big offensive line. They're a little vulnerable, blocking for the quarterback. Georgia Tech was able to get to Ian Book a few times, uh, three or four times. So, uh, you know, that's something that you have to watch when you play these more athletic teams. They have a good kicker. He's 7 for 9 for the year, I think, and 25 for 34 for his career. Uh, the punter, John, believe it or not, is from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, wow. Notre Dame punter. Yeah, Hillcrest High School. And so Ian Book is very good getting the ball to the tight ends. And the receivers in the mid-range, I think that's how they like to run their offense where they're driving the field. You know, there's, that's a dual uh, purpose. You, you can take up time on the clock for yourself, and then the other team's offense is on the bench. High-powered offense will be on the bench watching and b- becoming more frustrated. Uh, defensively, they have some athletic people on the edge that can get to the quarterback. Uh, they're not overly big on the defensive line. They have, you know, good linebackers, uh, solid cover people, excellent safeties. Uh, outstanding punter. Uh, So Notre Dame is a type of team where they have to play air-free. They can't give the ball to one of these high-powered offenses because I don't think they can compete by scoring, uh, you know, in a 40-point game, let's say. I I just don't think that can happen for them. But they're, uh, you know, well-coached, and uh, I think they've got a chance to be that fourth team. They're playing Clemson next week at home. It won't be the same South Bend. But if they can get a uh, turnover or two, I think they can be in that ball game. Yes. Well, again, you said it perfectly, AP. Notre Dame's like basically the number four team in the country. and But yet there seems to be questions surrounding them. Uh, but all of our questions are about to get answered this Saturday <laughs> in South Bend. You know, basically that when you looked at this year's college football schedule, that's the one you circled on your calendar. Clemson at Notre Dame, given the history uh, of Notre Dame and uh, Notre Dame Stadium, you know, must-see TV right. with or without Trevor yeah. Lawrence. It'll be without. Oh, 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 oh yeah. And, and, John, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend, the fact that if Notre Dame beats Clemson and they have to play in the ACC championship game, and it's a tight ball game, and you have the teams around the country with two losses and they need a fourth team, what, what would happen if Notre Dame was in the playoff? They could play Clemson three times in a year. Right. Good point. Yes. That's right. I hadn't, hadn't looked that, that far ahead. That would be the strangest thing. Th- that, that would, would top be everything, really strange. Yeah, that would be... You know, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but if if it has, I don't it's think been so. Rare. I don't think so either, off the top no. of my head. No, no, we we uh, know we've seen like Oklahoma, Nebraska end up in the Orange Bowl. Correct. We know that's correct. happened, but uh, never exactly. three times, not even close that I know of in modern football, college football. Right, right. And AP, we're down to uh, just a few minutes left, but I think we should mention the the fight. <laughs> between Missouri and Florida down at the Swamp. That was as vicious a fight as you ever see on a football field. Haymakers yeah, I were think being it was, Yeah, I think there was a boxing match and a football game broke out or something to that effect. Totally agree, uh, like but, the old hockey saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, Dan Mullen ended up being reprimanded and fined $25,000 by the commissioner really? of the SEC. Uh, oh, wow. Immediately following the, the altercation, the defensive lineman Zach Carter and linebacker Antoine Powell were ejected for the remainder of the game, and Missouri's outside linebacker Trey Williams was ejected for a flagrant unsportsman-like foul, conduct foul. And then 
What happens is the SEC office issued a half-game suspension for Missouri linebacker Chad Bailey, offensive lineman Dylan Spencer, and defensive lineman Markel Utsi for fighting uh, during the altercation. So each will miss a half, the first half of Missouri's game against Georgia on the 14th. And you know that uh, Florida and Georgia, I believe, are coming up next. Right. Uh, used to be called the world's largest cocktail party. Um, it won't be that this year. Um, but, yes, they have a, quite a history, those two border states, border war type game, and uh, played at a neutral yeah. site in Jacksonville, so at the Gator. Right. So, so, yeah, so George is going to have the benefit of, for two straight games, players being suspended from the opposing team, Florida and Missouri. Right. There you go. Well, AP, it's, uh, you know, never a dull moment. That's what we love about college football. And just to reiterate, uh, the Pac-12 is coming back this weekend. So basically all the the Power Five will all be in action finally. Here we, you know, it took till the first week of November to get there. But it's here this Saturday. And uh, should be interesting. Good to have the Pac-12 join the party. Oh, I can't wait to watch those teams to see if there's anybody who's going to be available for the college football playoff. Exactly, exactly. Everybody's dying to see the quality of the Pac-12. And AP, I just want to thank you so much for calling in, especially talking about the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game that you attended, covered. Uh, that's awesome. And, uh, and just thank you, as always, for your expertise. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. We did too, AP, and uh, Notre Dame-Clemson this Saturday should be good. And as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.